Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the end of season two. Hopefully you had enough of my singing from the Magnolia intro. Those of you who caught last week's delightful gush. Oh, man, the editing you did in that one. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Much appreciated. Oh, goodness. We've had an excellent second season, and we just kind of want to look back a little bit, celebrate a little bit, talk about some movie news. I have a a very special short gush that I want to do towards the end, talk about some of the things that we've been enjoying this past week. Sound cool to everybody? Yeah, yeah. Before we get started here, I should point out, you know, we've been doing this for more than a year now. Yes, that's right, that we have. We have indeed. First episode was November 26th, so it's been a lovely year, my friend. Yes, it has. Of course, yeah. It's I I look forward to this. I look forward to to you know, it's it's interesting. <clears throat> Movies are a very important part of my life and it's absolutely a part of my life that I have been shirking for the last probably four or five years and um, this has really forced me to take the time to get back into it just enjoying films. I yeah. Think, so And also discovering things that I like have been on my list forever and I've never gotten around to and it's just so great to have people encouraging us to watch these Sometimes hidden gems, sometimes old classics, sometimes yeah, all all sorts of stuff. I'm just really appreciating movies, and it's been indeed it's been fun. And and you and you started the season off with Doctor Sleep, which was yeah. the movie that has really truly opened me up to being open for horror films. And uh, I, I I really will do my. I think I will catch what is it? It's not Midnight Mass, is that what it's called? Right? The Midnight TV Mass. Show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I will I be looking forward it. to watching. It's rough. That. Yeah. I adore it. Um, it was Mike from Red Letter Media that uh, I started watching the review just for a second. He's like, I think this is the best thing I've probably seen in uh, years. I, I watched an episode a night, seven episodes. They're about an hour each and just just superb. This may have been one of the best things I've seen. Just period? I, I, want, I want to say ever. Oh, my Lord. Definitely a- in the last decade. I absolutely loved every frame of this. It's and definitely the best thing I've seen this year. And it's definitely the best thing Mike Flanagan has done. And that guy I'm, is insanely hard to please. I'm pretty close to there, man. I mean, I don't yeah. really have complaints. It's, yeah. It is a provocative viewing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not... I don't know that anybody will love all of it. Not because it's flawed, but because it pushes at you and it will not give you an inch. It pokes at you and it prods you no matter what you believe about the universe it's provocative viewing <laughs> and i love yes, it indeed. it's great when yeah, you finish it I, we'll have to talk absolutely we'll definitely plan on that sometime in the next season <clears throat> um but you know what is you just perfect with no flaws is back to the future which i did shortly after that's that. right wonderful what hour and 40 minute gust just <laughs> just about that flick oh my goodness Loved it. And Bill came on. We did Hail Caesar. Yeah. And then uh, Gary had The Dark Knight. We did a little bit of a TV, <coughs> a TV gush. Corey was with The fun. Iron Giant. I enjoyed that. We'll absolutely have Corey back on again. Um, bad Times at the El Royale with Murph. Yes. Ooh, yes. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Three Barrels have- of Melchitas Estrada. That was a movie I had not heard of. <laughs> right. I'm so glad we watched that movie. Me too. I find myself thinking about that one almost more than any other one on this list, just because of what Tommy Lee Jones was trying to say. And I mean, gosh, that friendship and that ending. Like I think yeah. about that one quite a bit. It was a, a, I mean, kind of a small, slow movie in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm very pleased that 
Yeah, I love that. That was a great one. Gonna be all right. Yeah, we have Professor on again for Dolores Claiborne. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have ranked the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That was which, a lot of uh, fun. Yes, it was. I think that was our most listened to episode this past season, I think. Next season, we're um, going to rank Star Wars, right? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Which, of course, Last Jedi is very near the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. Last Jedi, that's a Ryan Johnson flick. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you and I both went insane over Dune, which, of course, <laughs> we don't deserve. It's actually coming back to IMAX, I found out, uh, for the rest of the month. That's so awesome. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it in IMAX. It's worth it. I've not seen it in IMAX. I saw it in close to IMAX, but see it. See it as big a screen as you can get. Yes, indeed. Uh, we had the Horror 101 and 102 that with Mr. Peterson. And I got to say, I usually do this uh, end-of-year post on Facebook where I, I do, like, the best thing I saw, the best thing I saw that was old, uh, my best, the be- my favorite song. Uh, I do all these different, like, uh, these different rankings, just, like, fun things. And one of them is usually the best thing I saw that is a lot older than me. And the answer to that is the thing. Like, hands down. Good! Absolutely good, 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 away. good, good. Holy smokes. It is such I, a fun movie. I mean, you can dissect it and really get into meaning and pick it apart, or you could just enjoy the sheer bliss of movie making. Yeah, and there's a lot of great video essays on that one uh, that I've been really enjoying. I like. We'll keep you know name-dropping them, but Red Letter Media has a really great review of the thing that I would highly recommend anyone to watch. Um, but what didn't get as highly rated reviews was Jiu-Jitsu with Nick Cage, which was... <laughs> Probably the worst thing I saw this whole year. One of my year. favorite, favorite episodes uh, we did this season. <laughs> <laughs> and Kung Pao into the fist, which again I've just been quoting like crazy around the house yep, to my likewise. wife, who doesn't understand any of it. And then we capped it with Radar, with Raiders of the Lost Ark, which my favorite movie of all time. Beautiful, just oh, with an asterisk. Great... Man, I tell you, I'm gonna do another movie that's pretty close to the top next season. Oh yeah, we're gonna do the big uh, our big Spider-Man bonanza. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, yep, 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 and then yep, yep, yeah, yep, Magnolia. Yep, yep. So it's it's been a really great season. Again, another and, uh, movie I never saw. I'm so glad you made me watch that. That was a delight. Yeah, and I did not get the chance to finish Boogie Nights. I will follow up. I, we love follow ups on this show, so I will for sure follow up when I do watch it. Um, and I tried to get to see like Rich Pizza, like I said, but again, nowhere in Colorado. <laughs> right. So right. Um, I'll follow up on Licorice Pizza and Boogie Nights in season three. Season three. Trace. So that's what I got there. Uh, but I did want to, before we get into some movie news, I did want to dive into uh, my double feature day. So yeah. uh, I had the day off of work today, um, and I saw Minari, which I knew I would like more than Nomadland. And yeah, probably one of the best things I've seen this year. Uh, and for sure it would have been the, one of the, probably the best thing I saw last year too. Just Was Directed the same person as Nomadland? Nomadland? No, no, no. Just I had... Uh, for when it won, when Nomadland won Best Picture, I remember seeing all the stuff from Minari and thinking, I bet you that's the one that I think will, will should have won. And yeah, Minari was very, very good, very heartwarming, and kind of what you were saying with Midnight Mass, like, you don't get a break. And it's very Bicycle Thief in a lot of different ways with just the poor guy, like, oh my goodness, and mm. it just tugs on your heartstrings. And there's, um, everybody remembers Armageddon. There's Chip, I believe his name was. He was the guy who had the son, who he gave the space shuttle to. You know the actor's name. He's in a ton of different stuff. Mm. Uh, he was in No Way Out. Um, but he played this guy named Paul who almost steals the entire film. Like, there isn't much of him in the trailer, but, like, he's kind of this strange southern guy who uh, 
just looks at everything through the vision of the Lord, and he speaks in tongues randomly, which confuses the main character. And <laughs> on Sunday, he doesn't go to church, but he drags a cross for miles because uh, he says that's his church. Um, just an insanely delightful character, and I mean, he didn't. He didn't, I don't even know if he got nominated for best supporting actor, but Love Minari can't recommend it enough. Uh, what a delight! It's free on Xfinity right now, so definitely oh, cool. watch Minari. And uh, I followed Brendan, and I did the double feature, and I saw The Last Duel. I'm so I was jealous. So, dude, I was so intrigued by what Ridley Scott said on the Mark Marin show when he said the reason why the movie didn't succeed is because of these millennials and their effing cell phones. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I looked at my phone a few times for the movie. I'm just like, I'm the guy he hates. This is a good feeling. Look, he's uh, a bit of an old curmudgeon, but that doesn't mean he doesn't make great movies. That is correct. You know, he had The Last Duel and House of Gucci, which is out right now. And getting, you know, like, yeah, it's getting like six out of 10 reviews um, at the moment. But The Last Duel probably would be in my top 10 films of the year. Uh, It's very Rashomon. Okay. So much to the point, because it's broken into three different chapters. You have Matt Damon, you have his perspective, then you have Adam Driver's perspective, and then you have Matt Damon's wife's perspective of the events that occurred. Oh, I didn't realize and that it, it had that format. <laughs> I love that format. It's kind of like Hero almost. Yeah, and it really kind of, it stops you in a, like this This movie messed with me because as soon as it was over, I'm just like, I wonder if my wife sees our interactions through a different light. Like I started like wondering if my life was Rashomoning and I was like, that's probably too dangerous to do that, <laughs> go, to go down that wavelength. But I think it's important um, we all do that to a certain degree. Just try to see how our actions, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's part of being, I think, introspective and learning to listen more than you speak. It's empathetic, uh, and yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing now as I'm talking about this movie, I, I, don't, I don't even need to say what it's about. For those who don't know, The Last Duel is a movie that takes place in the 1300s, and it's about Matt Damon, who is a squire, and Adam Driver, who's also a squire, and they both move into knighthood in different kind of ways. <clears throat> but the main pivotal point of this movie is that Matt Damon's wife, um, who he married to kind of get some land and things like that, and they kind of you watch them kind of fall in love, um, but he the Adam Driver, who's a squire that he saved in this early battle, saved his entire saved his life. He's indebted to him, but they kind of become em- enemies through different things. Well, when Matt Damon's character goes off to fight in a war, um, and he comes back home, the wife tells him that Adam Driver uh, raped her, and so he calls for a duel, which is to say that in that time, you you know you could have a duel. You throw it on the glove kind of a thing, and it's a duel to the death. And in this particular case, if Matt Damon loses, then his wife is stripped and burned alive. And if he wins, then it must have been the truth. So it's kind of one of those weird, like, Hmm. before science kind of things. Because there's definitely, like, a couple of quotes in the movies that I think a bishop says where it's just like, we know that this to be true. And it's like, oh, we don't know that. (laughs) Duck type thing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, kind of. And so... um, this movie had zero laughs whatsoever. Um, and it, at points it felt very slow. And you know, it's that formula where you're trying to show different perspectives. And I'm like, okay, I've already seen the same sequence three times. And there was one particular moment that I was like, I mean, it wasn't different. It wasn't that different at least, but, um, seeing the characters perspectives was more interesting than I thought it would be. And it, but it did kind of feel slow until, I mean, and that's the thing is the movie probably would have been like, a 3.5 out of 5 for me. But what really elevated this thing was the duel, which they genuinely save for, like, the last second of the movie. There's this massive build-up to it, like like peaks and valleys thing, and you kind of get closer and closer to it. And then when it finally happens, 
I'm just like, okay, this is why Ridley Scott's amazing. <laughs> like, you just you just get to watch this duel and this battle and all the different things that go wrong in it and like things that you don't expect to happen. And I was, my heart was pounding. I was insanely gripped. I was talking mm. out loud. Um, and I won't blow it because I, I do think yeah, people should I, see I it. I think watch it. It is based. It is based off of a real thing that did happen. Uh, and it was actually written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, uh, who were both in the movie. Last um, first time since Goodwill Hunting, right? That's right. Yeah. So uh, check out the last duel. Probably like four point two out of five. Four point five. It, it was. It was. Yeah. It was good. Have we talked about Ridley Scott? I think we've kind of Just, touched on him in the past. You know, like Alien and Aliens and. So I don't know if there is a director. Mm. He was Alien. Aliens was Cameron. Okay, that's right. Yeah. I don't know if there's a director who so consistently makes some of the best movies of all time, some of my all-time favorite films, and then right after that makes something that nobody likes and just does not work at all. (laughs) And I find it really amusing. Not that House of Gucci is getting bad reviews, but you had The Last Duel and House of Gucci come out with like a two-week period in between them. And one is just one of the great films of the year and the other that's fine and that to me is just really scott's career in a bubble they're always gorgeous to look at half of them are sheer unmitigated brilliance and half of them are gorgeous to look at but painful to watch yeah i will say this for the last duel the gal who was his editor was just she did such an excellent job with the editing in this flick um i was that was definitely one thing that blew me away the music was insanely tense at the end uh, there was there's a lot to like about the last duel and it's it's very difficult subject matter, it. so and I would recommend it. I would absolutely recommend the last duel and I would recommend Minari. So it was two good movies uh, right in a row and that made me smile. It's a good way to spend a day off. I need to do that more yeah. often when I have days off. Just hit some movies up. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Oh, so what have you seen in the uh, movie news lately? Anything that you feel is worth bringing up? Anything you think is worth well, uh, no, reporting on? There's so many things. The thing is we've. December is just jam-packed with blockbusters. I mean, I, 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 pretty much my focus now is waiting for Spider-Man and The Matrix, and I wanted to watch oh, the yeah. originals before they came out. I don't have time to do both of them. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, I'm excited about both of those. I, I haven't seen any major... I mean, have you seen any major new news? I mean, it's kind of one of those wind-down-of-the-year spots. It is, you know, I, I, read, I read a little piece about the movies that people think are already going to win Best Picture, mm-hmm. uh, which Budapest is like this clear leader. And I, Not I, Budapest, Belfast. Belfast, sorry, I yeah. keep saying Budapest. It's because that song, probably. <laughs> um, <clears throat> is there a song called Budapest? I don't know. Anyway, um, so we have a couple of movies that are, you know, rip-roaring to the end of December. We have the ones that at least I'm looking forward to is French Dispatch, still not playing anywhere, Spider-Man, uh, which mm-hmm. isn't out yet. Um, Cyrano de Bergerac, which I super want to see on January 31st. And then uh, Licorice Pizza, which I'm still yep. waiting for. So it's all those it's kind of early. blockbuster indie movies that just aren't enough places. <laughs> yeah. A blockbuster indie film. I, mean, I think what it's specifically uh, it. the French Dispatch and um, you, what was the other one you said? There's oh, those movies that but, everybody wants to see in the movie art crowd. Everybody who knows movies have heard of. Nobody who doesn't follow movies have heard of them, and it's, like, not enough. Yeah. The word-of-mouth yeah. movies, the things that don't get made anymore. Yeah, I mean, as, but as far as everything else goes, I'll, I'll give 
three really big news stories that happened in the last month from the last time we did this, which was uh, Hayao Miyazaki is coming out of retirement to do one last movie for the fourth time. Okay, hold on. I didn't realize that was new news. I didn't click on it because he just does this so often. I didn't realize that I was know. new. So I know. That was not announced beforehand? No, this was 13 days ago where he came out and he's just like, okay, one more film sounds like a good idea to me. He's <laughs> a workaholic, and I'm not going to stop him because sheer untold brilliance. I mean, if it wasn't for him, anime, I, all anime would not be as popular, I think. I really feel like he's opened yeah. up entire world of people into that style of animation and storytelling and all that so i don't go with god i don't even try to proselytize anime but anytime somebody says i don't like anime my thought is at least try something by miyazaki you don't have to like anime to love his works his works transcend the medium they're brilliant so yeah yeah come out of retirement as many times as you want that's fine (laughs) oh well said uh, the second one is just kind of a fun one. Uh, the new poster for the next Jurassic Park movie, uh, Jurassic World Dominion. We will put the poster in the show notes because it's just great. Like, it's a kid at a poster. drive-in theater holding a bowl of popcorn. I'm going to send it to you now so you can take a look I, at I'm it. I'm looking it up. I, I did okay, watch well, the uh, opening prologue, which I thought was great. Did you see that? I thought that was so, that was so much better than, like, both of the new movies, that prologue. I'm telling you, if you wanted to make an entire movie... <laughs> In Jurassic Park quality filmmaking, silent film, essentially a, a dialogue-free film of just dinosaurs hanging out in the Jurassic era. I don't know if that's Jurassic era. When did when did T Rex roam? Well, it was like a it was a trailer, right? Or no, it was um there was like a trailer park or something. But but the start of it is 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 there's like three or four minutes in the back in time of dinosaurs just being dinosaurs. And it ends with a T-Rex dying in the in the mosquito lands, and it sucks his blood. And then you go to the present and see the dinosaur clone from that T-Rex. Wait a minute. Did you not see I, that? I have no idea what you're talking about. I was thinking of the short, the short film that came out earlier in the year. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. They oh. released a prologue for it. And the first, okay. first like three or four minutes is just back in time with dinosaurs doing dinosaur stuff. And it's great. And what I wouldn't give for an entire film of dinosaurs just doing dinosaur stuff. Oh my gosh. And that then, would it, be then it jumps to the present. And and the, so the, the T-Rex then goes to the walk-in theater. So I didn't realize there's a poster based on that because that is what the present is. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was just like a thing where I was like, this is probably one of the better posters I've seen in a minute. Cause I think, so we get a lot of our news from R dash movies on Reddit and a lot of the things they upvote, I'm just like, why are you upvoting this? This isn't like, I mean, honestly, the first time I thought this was when they showed the Nomadland poster and I was like, this isn't a good poster. Why are you all? And then like, why are you booing me? I'm right. Kind of a feeling comes over, but um, I thought this was a genuinely good poster. Uh, but, and then the, I will say the last bit of news that I want to share was uh, Patty Jenkins, who we know from Wonder Woman. Yep, I saw uh, that today. I was going to say Yep. Ro- yeah. Yeah, Rogue Squadron has been delayed. That was the other big bit of news. But today, did you see the news that came out like two Ooh, hours ago? Me. She's no, dropping out not. of Cleopatra so she can focus on Wonder Woman 3 and Rogue Squadron. So I was thinking she, Rogue oh. Squadron, this was just talk of, you know, how Star Wars news goes. They've delayed this, which means they canceled it. But it doesn't sound like that's the case here. It sounds wow. like she was busy. And so she's she stepped off of... Cleopatra, another director, stepped in for that one. She's going to focus on Wonder Woman 3 and Rogue Squadron. So, good news in my book. Fantastic. Yeah. 
Excellent. I, I am that guy who really liked Wonder Woman's two. Yeah, I you know I really did enjoy it for what it was. I really liked. I mean, I just thought the ending was great. Like you know, and people have so many complaints about it, and we try to be happier. I don't know it, if you can all hear my dog in the bar- barking in the background. I'm sorry. Sounds delightful. <laughs> it yeah, is he's not my a helicopter, movie, but it is. <sighs> it is a delight of a movie yeah. if you can get over its imperfections. Yes, indeed. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go tell him to shut up. I'll be right back. All right. Sounds good. And now, a feature presentation. Oh, for very well. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Get ourselves some snacks. I know. Is everything okay? Oh, yeah, they were just playing like crazy, but we'll cut all that. <coughs> uh, or will we? Or will we? Well, I, w- I will say this. I'm drinking a uh, gin and spindrift, something I like to call a gin drift, and it's very delightful. Oh, that sounds delightful. I'm drinking a Coke Zero, and I call it a Coke Zero, and it is also delightful. Boo. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, you know, I, there's something I want to do here uh, that's a little different from what we normally do, but... Uh, I had my godmother pass away on Sunday, and one thing that she loved, not more than anything, but that she really loved was Hallmark Christmas movies, which (sighs) I've kind of ripped on a lot in the past because my wife just devours them in the Christmas season, and, you know, the acting feels very much like it's community theater people, (laughs) and uh, the plots are all very much the same, but in honor of her on Sunday, we cooked a massive brunch, and we watched Monica's second favorite movie of all time which the first is twister but her second one is something called the christmas card and it's a 2006 hallmark movie and to honor my godmother i wanted to do a little mini gush about this film oh because because <laughs> i've seen I, I mean have you seen any hallmark movies also let me start with that any hallmark christmas movies i couldn't name a name title i've seen things in the background you know uh-huh. like, as a kid but uh, let's go with no but i am imminently aware of them and if you've I've seen, seen enough any, of them yeah if you've seen any rom-com in the 90s then <clears> you've <throat> probably seen every hallmark christmas film or at least you've seen the structure of one because the bones are so very much the same that it's it's i mean it really kind of drags on me but uh monica loves this one and uh i hadn't seen it before but we wanted to honor her so uh found it on demand and we put it on and you know what? I kind of did enjoy it. <laughs> like, sure. like it's definitely it's flawed for a bunch of different reasons. So there's this uh, soldier, and uh, he is in the Afghan war, which already this movie like hits way harder than any other uh, Hallmark movie because there's like a, a very brief like war sequence, and I was like, holy crap! They actually did this in a Hallmark movie? Oh man! <laughs> so uh, and I think I said this. It's a 2006 film. So uh, this guy, Sergeant Cody Cullen, he's an Afghan uh, soldier. And, you know, he's got his soldier buddies out there and he gets this Christmas card, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know, some communities do this where they just they send like uh, just Christmas cards to soldiers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't even have to know who they are. They don't say who they are necessarily. They just say things about their lives and thank you for your service and all that. And um, there's been a few in Phoenix that I've seen done. And there's definitely some out here as well where they all write cards and it's a community. It's super nice. So this main girl, uh, her name's Faith, and she sends this card and the card just happens to go to Sergeant Cody Cullen. And it becomes like kind of this nice little lifeline for him, especially because while he's, you know, in the 
very early moments of the movie, uh, one of his buddies, who has a girl back home, uh, ends up dying in an explosion. And so uh, Sergeant Cody's uh, officer uh, sends him home, tells him to go think about his life, just genuinely take a break from the army. Mm-hmm. And so this guy's parents died when he was uh, a teenager. And so he decides that he's going to go to this town. Um, I'm gonna, is it Nevada? I think it's Nevada City, California, which is a real place. And uh, that's what's, where the girl Faith is from. And he's like, I don't have anywhere to go. He's like, but, you know, this card got me through a lot of stuff. So I'm going to go see this uh, town and see what it's all about. And uh, they kind of meet awkwardly because, like, he they have the exact same order at this diner. And she starts eating it. And they he gets all mad juice. about it and stuff. Uh, it was more like a I – was, I, was, I called it a meat puke. I'm like, this kind of thing? Come on. It's so cliche. Um and so already I'm just like, okay, I'm doing this for my godmother. It's, it's fine. It's fine. And then Ed Asner shows up. And I'm like, uh. what are you doing here? And he plays uh, Faith's father. His name is Luke. And he owns a sawmill. And uh, what ends up happening at one point is uh, he's crossing the street. And Cody actually saves him from getting hit by a car. And so he's kind of like... He feels like he's in his debt, but they also have like this soldier bond thing. And so he's like, well, you come stay with us this holiday season and you can help out around the sawmill if you'd like to. And it's his way of like giving back, whatever. Um, and I got to say, he makes the whole film like anytime Ed, Ed Asner. Asner is on screen, he steals the show for people who don't know who Ed Asner is. All I can say is he's up. He's he's the old man in the movie up. So you hear that voice. You know who I'm talking about already. Just um, immediate. Yeah. Recognition. Yeah, immediate recognition. And he essentially plays, like, every awesome grandpa that's ever existed. Like, every throwaway line that he has. Like, some that, some that you know, in a weird way, I'm like, Hallmark, you got away with this? So, as an example. <laughs> right? Because it's like, Hallmark is, like, as pure as it can possibly be. And, like, um, there's a line where his wife was saying something about, like, do I need to, or he said, what was it? There was a sequence where his wife says something. And she's like, do I need to give you a little smack? And he goes, don't get me all excited now. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> what are we Ed, doing here? Ed. Yeah, I was like, let's, let's tone it back down to Y7, which is, it was a G rating. But um, he just absolutely stole this movie. And it made me reflect a lot about, because he was a life, he's a lifetime actor, right? He, he passed away a couple years ago, but he had this lifetime of movies and probably an insane amount of training. I don't know. I'm guessing all of this stuff. But the the depth that he went to I, with this character and so many lines that I didn't feel like were in the script. It was just him just kind him of being like, him. yeah, for him the being record, him and just. Yeah. I was confused with that sentence because don't you mean he was a Hallmark actor? But you mean lifetime as in actual lifetime, not the, not the <laughs> yeah, like his lifetime, not the channel, which is another channel that plays Christmas movies with a bit more edge to them, you know, if you want that. Lifetime. Um, but the, what he brought to this role, he just elevated the entire feature, and I looked up the movie afterwards, and there are several blogs that consider this to be the best Hallmark film of all time. Uh, it broke all the uh, ratings records for an entire decade for that channel for Christmas. When did it come out? What um, was the year? 2006. 2006, okay. The Christmas card. And so Ed passed away, uh, oh my gosh, in August? It was that recent. He died in August. Holy oh, crap. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, and he plays Santa and Elf. Of course, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> right. Ed. So oh, Ed. I'm looking at his credits list on IMDb, 408. And there oh, are God. still several uh, movies, TV series, 
a documentary and I believe a cartoon movie that are still in post-production that he's still going to be in for like a couple more years, it looks like. So the man worked like crazy and he was nominated for seven Emmys, um, won a bunch of awards. But all I'm trying to get at is it was one of those times where I was reminded how a supporting role can elevate an entire picture because there were lines in this movie where I was like, "You gotta be fucking kidding me!" Like I was, I was like, "You, you come on, come don't on!" Don't say like, that. You can't say that. <laughs> People don't talk like that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, there's a so okay. So Faith's boyfriend Paul is like the typical Hallmark Christmas guy who he, work is the most important thing for him and marriage isn't really on his mind and. He, I mean, definitely the worst acting in the movie. Sorry to the guy who played Paul. I'm not trying to offend you. Um, but when I said community theater, like, mm. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a moment where Paul and Cody are about to go to like the Christmas Eve uh, service at a church and they're standing on the steps and Cody's just like, you know, I love faith. Right. And I'm like, Oh no, come on. And it just felt so, uh, like I was like, I was cringing so bad. Luckily there was still some more Ed Asner in the movie and it wrapped in a really sweet kind of way. And especially when she finds out about like, she's the one who wrote the card. Cause he didn't say it forever. Um, so it had a, a very sweet, like, uh, what's that candy? It was like a dots. It was like, it was like watching dots, the candy. Like Cause it was like dots. a sticking to your teeth, yanking your cavities out kind of a movie like that sickly sweet. But Anything Ed Asner said made this movie great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I won't. I won't fight you on it. Like I'm. So I. I. For her, for being her second favorite film of all time, I was like, you know what? Yeah, you can have it. Like we're both like our eyes are all watery towards the end, especially because I'm thinking more about my godmother and like this is why we're watching this movie. And she just loved Hallmark Christmas movies. And even like uh, I was talking to her husband Henry, and four days before she passed away, she was talking about which ones that she was going to record. Uh, and watch before the year was over. So mm-hmm. this was a very special thing for her. Like and it TV made me just think like, watch. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's and so DVR great. and all that. Yeah. And, and Christmas was, is her favorite time of year. And I learned so much from my godmother, especially because like she sent me cards, never missed a birthday once, never missed Christmas. Like I always had a card from her. And the last card I got from her was, uh, my anniversary is August 30th. So it would have been our anniversary card, which I, I now have that card tucked away in our uh, little prayer desk. And, uh, I'm going to her funeral in a couple of weeks, but, it really made me reflect like, you know what, for as much as I have fun ripping on these movies and the structure is all the same, like there are people who really value and treasure a lot of what Hallmark does. And, and for that, like, I'm glad that they exist. Like it's like Hallmark channel is a lot like Hallmark Christmas cards. It's nice to get one and you enjoy it for the time that you have it. And it's, it's a lovely little thing. It's a lovely little slice of life. And you know what? That's just the thing. You know, and, and that's what I want the, the for for us to gush about movies. It's like, it's very rare that a movie offends me, right? There are movies that I think are bad, and I can enjoy them in an ironic way, but at the end of the day, I am loving that they exist. And I don't think we should ever take away for somebody else's love of even a bad movie. Yeah. If that makes sense, because... It does, like... There's uh, a joy. We, yeah, there are, there are movies that... There are movies that people love that I outright do not. And this is probably a bigger conversation. And this is so earlier. I was trying to think about all the books that I had read this past couple of weeks that I want to mention before we wrapped up this season. Mm -hmm. The one that I finished that I couldn't remember was called dopamine nation. And it's about the drug dopamine, the chemical within our, our brains, right? That, you know, it balances out pleasure and pain. And I've talked about this a lot on the show because I feel like it's a very important timely thing 
that we talk about the awareness of this particular drug in our heads. And a lot of it comes from addictions to many different things. But what I really got out of this book was the idea that there's this balance of pain and pleasure within our head and tipping the scales the different ways is what releases the dopamine. And if you look at pain, I translate that as anger. And I've talked about this a lot on the show where the visceral anger response feels good at times. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of movie review channels that just do the angry stuff, the bad stuff, the negative stuff. And, and that's tipping those scales to pain constantly. And there's kind of a thrill of like, Oh, I hate this thing. And then you feel good that you hate it and being mean. And we want to tip the scales in a different way. Like it's good to talk about the happiness and see what others like about a movie and what, bring somebody to tears in a film. Cause it's all just good to know the human experience from different perspectives and levels and ages and times and things like that. And so, and that's not, this back, yeah. that's not to say yeah. that there's not a place for film criticism, right? Oh gosh. But yeah. It should be done. Not, there shouldn't be glee in the badness and even, even bad movies have their merits. I, I, Steven Spielberg has that talks in an interview once about how he sees most movies that come out into theaters in a year and he enjoys most of them. And to me, it's like yeah. the best director probably of all time is seeing a lot of crap and is glad that he's seeing that crap. <laughs> and can you imagine Steven, Pil- Steven Spielberg in like that Paw Patrol movie? He's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing when he says most, he may mean most, not including Paw Patrol. Um, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. No, but film criticism has its place. And the truth of the matter is, we have done movies. Both seasons, we've done movies that I didn't like in Cinema Gush. Ah, yeah, 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 I think, sure. I, I'm not going to name which ones, but there are movies we've we've talked about that I didn't care for all that much. And at, at the end of the day, you know, I had such a good time seeing it through the eyes of somebody who did love the movie. And, mm-hmm. and that was... We need more optimism. We need to take some time to actually see the good in things. Even when maybe it's mostly bad, there's always something good. Yeah, and I think it bears repeating, like I said last week, that opening sequence of Magnolia. If you haven't seen the That Moment documentary, once again, please watch it. I think you'll really enjoy it. But when Paul Thomas Anderson says this is the first shot of this movie that I think we should all unashamedly try and make a great movie and don't apologize. Let's just try and make a really, really, really fantastic movie because there's no shame in that. Folks, anytime a movie gets made, it is a miracle. Right. You know, even like Jiu-Jitsu, which clearly blew through a budget of well over $20 million. The fact that it got completed and got sent out with all of the moving parts that are required. And believe me, there's we, for, you hear us when we talk about the credits. Some of these movies that seem very basic have 600 people working on them. Right. You know, so any of those steps could falter and screw everything. And I mean... How many times have you seen a movie that didn't hit you the right way because there was just one thing that wasn't quite didn't right line about up. it? And sometimes it's impossible you know? to see that coming. Impossible to predict it. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jiu-Jitsu or- was a bad movie. If my name was on the credits, <laughs> I'd be super proud of it. Yeah, I didn't like The Eternals, but I can't undeniably say that that's not some of the best cinematography I've seen all Absolutely. year. I can't. Like, And that's that's from, uh, I can't think of her name right now, the director and her cinematographer. Their, their eye for uh, characterizing the human person and the lenses they choose, that's amazing. That's insane. And I don't see that all the time. So even, again, and there's something good from that too, of thinking about even a movie you don't like, well, what's one good thing you can pick out of it? That's my challenge to you for the rest of the year as we go into The Matrix 4. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, okay, so I think that's a good thing. You know what? The Wachowskis, 
have made a couple great movies and a lot of subpar movies. But you know one of the things I love about them? Even when you're watching, like, Jupiter Ascending or something like that. Is that <laughs> oh, gosh. They make the movies they want to make. They make them with all the passion they can give them. And when they don't work, they don't work hard, but you can see the love in them. <laughs> and, I, and you know what? I love seeing the love in a film, even if it's not that good. Sure. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I still haven't seen Cloud Atlas, even though it's been bugging me like to crazy to too. see it because yep. it's free. But I can't not say Speed Racer didn't blow me away. Speed Racer it absolutely is so did. much fun. <laughs> did you see Jupiter Jupiter Ascending, right? Mila Kunis and... Um... Yeah, it's... um, What's that Rick and Morty uh, game? Roy, he goes back to the carpet store. She goes back to being yeah, a janitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, that was the year that, uh, oh, what's the villain? Ed, Eddie. Redmayne. Redmayne. The year that he was nominated for Best Actor and a Razzie, which hadn't happened since Sandra Bullock was nominated for uh, The Blind Side and that Steve Kid Falls in the Hole movie. So there's something to be said about that, too. Look, Eddie Redmayne chewed the scenery (laughs) so much that I was worried that the CGI backgrounds were going to start falling apart. <laughs> and yet, oh, that sequence where he freaks out. It was oh. great. It, no, it wasn't great. It was really bad. But I loved it. And and I don't <laughs> love it ironically because it was bad. I love it because I love watching filmmakers do something passionately. Yeah, I hate to sound like the parent who was constantly talking to the kid who had a bad day at school, but that I, if you walk away from anything from this entire series, I hope it's just when you watch a movie and you really don't like it, try to think about your mom in the back of your head saying, well, tell me one good thing about it. Tell right. me one good right. thing that you saw. You know, like, look for look for the silver lining, because, and then hopefully you'll come away with a whole bunch of things, because then it won't seem so bad, because rarely is a movie 100,000% a disaster, right? Like, right. if I look at jujitsu. You know, some of the, the the really cool transitions that were graphic novel based, that was kind of neat. And I th- had a great time watching it. Yeah, and well, it was, you know, you know, even the bad movies, you can still have fun. I mean, I know, the room. I, I, I know going, again, speaking of the Wachowskis, they probably are the kind of people who would take Paul Thomas Anderson's We're Gonna Make a Movie We're Not Embarrassed About to heart. Even though at the end, the movie wasn't that great. I, I wished more people... We need to give our, our artistic creators the permission to make possible failures, to swing for the fences, and you know what? You're going to hit some foul balls, but if you want to be blown away by a home run that you never saw coming, you need to allow for some foul balls and encourage is, them through those. This is going to transition so delightfully into the what have you been consuming this past week stuff, so I'll just wrap this to say uh, I enjoyed the Christmas card for what it was. Uh, thank you, Aunt Bernie. I know you love that movie, and God rest your soul, and I will be praying for you this whole Christmas season. And, and if you're listening, folks, please pray for her as well. And I'm not going to be watching any Hallmark movies, but <laughs> I don't want any one of you to feel one iota of shame for enjoying each and every one of them, and and God rest your godmother's soul, and I hope thank she you. enjoys some Hallmark movies where she's going. Yeah, and I will say, if you do want to watch the Christmas card, I found it on YouTube in 240p from like somebody's VHS recording. <laughs> And then this is a recording from after VHSs were 100% discontinued, but it's on YouTube in like 240 where you can't really make out Ed Asner's face. So, but uh, you can make you out know. his voice. Yes. Oh, what a voice. My goodness. So, uh, so this does transition what have you been perfectly. Consuming? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. where we going. Yeah, go for it. So I talked about Dopamine Nation, which was a book that uh, I highly recommend. Uh, it was very, very good and definitely introspective for me. I just finished today. 
Stanley Tucci's memoir called Taste. That looks really and good. It is super good. It's probably... Uh, I got to think about this. I don't want to give any declarations of the best things I've seen all year. We'll do an episode for that next year, but uh, this is probably the best nonfiction book I read this year. Next to Norm MacDonald's biography. I don't know if I want to say that, um, <laughs> but this was uh, Stanley Tucci did uh, a taste of Italy, uh, which I've talked a lot about um, earlier in this year. It's a documentary on CNN. Super enjoyable, especially if you love food like me. I know Dr. Julius does as well. But this was his book where he's reflecting on his life and just how insanely important food has been uh, a part of it. So the stories are very, very good. Uh, I definitely laughed a few times, especially because he's the one reading it, and he really emphasizes his F-bombs. Oh, in the, uh, way. the audiobook? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, that, it's, oh, man, I was thinking about picking up a physical copy, but hearing him read it, that's hard to say no to. Yes, I w- yeah, that's exactly what it was for me. And I had to wait 16 weeks for this one at the library, but it was well worth it to hear him tell the stories with his so and so here's an example he talks about working on certain movies and certain parts of the world and the food experiences that he has there and to hear him be very annoyed at the film he was working on Hmm. like you can kind of hit the inflection of just how pissed off he was to work on this particular film he he never says the movies but as soon as he's just like i worked in london on this film that i hope nobody ever sees about 20 years ago i'm just like okay i'm gonna pause go to imdb stanley tucci 2000 2001 2002 like trying to figure out what movie that he worked on that he despised and i was assuming uh, it was gonna be you want music the pill but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, Cause the thing, the thing that kept coming back to me was how amazing he is in the hunger games. Like again, yeah. this is another one of those supporting roles. Uh, Caesar, what the heck is Caesar Flickerman. Caesar something. Cesar. Gosh, his character has the blue hair and the ponytail and he laughs like, ha ha ha. And it's, it's so good. You're so like, perfectly it might... cast in that role. Yeah, yeah. Anytime my wife is watching The Hunger Games and like he's on, I will run into the room just to watch him do that character because he does that character, like that capital homegrown character so well. So, uh, and I mean, he's in, gosh, he's in everything, Julia and Julia, and he's in uh, Devil Wears Prada, a movie that he does actually gush about and tells a, a great story about he and Meryl Streep getting um, an Udi sausage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, but it's interesting to hear him talk about like how less important acting is to him now, because towards the end of the book, you find out like, and I didn't even know this, but he had horrible cancer, like a massive cancerous tumor under his tongue, which like messed him up for well over a year. And he had to have a feeding tube that went into his stomach cause he couldn't drink or eat. Cause even drinking water felt like battery acid. Huh. And he was so afraid of losing his sense of taste in food um, that it makes the whole built. You don't even know the book is building up to this. Cause again, I didn't know. I don't, I didn't know that whole aspect of his life, but um, you get from like when he's five and six years old watching uh, Julia Childs with his mother on TV and this refined Italian palate that he has with food dishes. And he knows some of the language and, you know, I mean, they would literally slaughter a goat in his basement and hmm. they would do all these insane dishes. And there's this movie called the big night, which we're going to talk about next season. Cause I think Dr. Tullius wants to do that one in Coco. We'll see. Ooh. But the movie that cool. he's really known for is called the big night about two brothers who own an Italian restaurant. And it kind of makes fun of the whole like American sensibilities, like spaghetti and meatballs. And, and these two Italian brothers like, no, you don't do it that way. And all these different things. So he talks about that quite a bit. Um, but you live this, you, you go through his entire life, of food and delicate eating and 
And there's this idea, because I like to cook a lot, and there's this idea that he talks about he learned from an Italian chef called, um, you know, we have beef broth and chicken broth and fish broth. This Italian, this Italian chef does a cheese broth where he lets the rinds of Parmesan oh. just, like, soak, and it becomes this cheese broth. And I'm like, I'm going there like, oh, my God. Like, I can't wait to try these things. And he litters recipes all throughout the book, like how these things are made. And, like, mm, you know, I'll bleep it out. Like, there's the recipe that he does for uh, some sort of spaghetti dish, and it's literally listing a fuck. Buster. A ton of butter. Like that was the <laughs> that was the amount of butter that was necessary. <laughs> and I'm dying listening to him do this review because he keeps coming back to that that word that phrase, and uh, it just cracked me up. So I really enjoyed that book. Uh, highly, highly recommend it. I'll probably get a hardcover of it just because I want those recipes really badly. And now I just want Italian food like crazy. Well, no one's going to top that. Wow. All right. I'm sold. Yeah. So that was the book that I read. Uh, and then I also read Dopamine Nation and then the two movies I talked about. And then I guess the last big thing, which, uh, you know, I think I, I, I hit at before, which was I won that Shop Goodwill auction. I have the PS4. I got a controller for it and I'm playing Uncharted 4. And I'm just enjoying it, man. I just, I am that guy who cutscenes are made for. Like, when cuts, when a big cutscene comes on, like, I just put the controller down and just put my hands over my lap and go, okay, time for a movie. And I just get, ah, that's why I love Kingdom Hearts. Yes. I love cutscenes. I just love them. Cutscenes get a bad rap. There's nothing wrong with a they good cutscene, some good storytelling, and then back to the action. Makes you feel the weight of the action. Yes. Amen. Yeah. I know that there are some games that like overdo the cutscene stuff. I have yet to come across one, but like I, I'm just enjoying the hell out of Uncharted I 4. I tell you, as a huge Metal Gear Solid fan, I will sit happily and watch the four and a half <laughs> hours of Codex calls. There you go. Snake? Yeah. Snake! Brilliant. Oh. Brilliant. Lovely. What have you been, uh, you know, I feel like I stole this entire episode. What oh, it's you been, been a delight, man. Enjoying and what have you been reading and watching and have you been building anything? Tell me, tell me. Uh, okay, so you know, building everything. Yes. I, you know what? I, I've got something here that I'm super proud of and it is super dumb and it ties into what I'm most excited about this week. So I found this. I will try it. Oh, I, I got a YouTube video. We can link that. So this is, oh, cool. this is a 3D model of Beaver Creek from Halo 2. Oh, cool. And I found it on Thingiverse, and I sliced the top off, and I made one of those little ball-in-hole toys. Oh, that's fun. That uh, It's got a little ball, and you try to get <laughs> in the little holes. And I'm super proud of how this thing turned out. So thanks for asking Excellent. me what I built, because this is, this, I'm really pleased with this. So um, Yeah, Bob. And then uh, watching, I saw Ghostbusters, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. It's, uh, I... I feel like the movie was written around the fact that they could only convince Bill Murray to show up for the afternoon, and that's unfortunate. <laughs> but when oh, you get Bill Murray, there. you get Bill Murray. You know, sorry for spoilers. If that's the case. When you ask yeah. for Bill Murray, you get what Bill Murray is willing to give you. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. That said, I couldn't. Uh, since then, I can't help but think. So a lot of the movie plot is kind of like waving away why no, why people don't believe in ghosts after the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man when walking down down. It doesn't make any sense. It's more like, it's like apathy, like in The Force Awakens, like, the Jedi are real? Like, of course the Jedi are real. They're like, ghosts are real? Duh. But I, I can't, I've been tossing this, sorry, I'm going to go on a tangent here. 
No, well, this is actually, this is a super good tangent because in my mind, not having seen the movie, I'm like, well, you know, the Old Testament is littered with miracles and then a hundred years pass and then nobody believed that those things ever happened. But we're so talking about like 20 that? years, right? Okay. 30 years, right? <laughs> Great. So Great. yes, it is like that, except the difference here is in the Old Testament, a hundred years pass in, in Ghostbusters, 30, 40 years passed and the, the, the event is still on camera as the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is walking downtown. Oh my gosh. Whatever. It's a nitpick. <laughs> Whatever. I, let me let me just state, before I get into my, my dream here, I loved the movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a ditty. It's not, gonna, it's not going to take its place in the canon of great Ghostbuster movies, but it was well worth It's not well going to destroy watching. your childhood. It didn't destroy my childhood. Uh, but right. I've been thinking since... Tarantino has this had this musing a couple months ago about how he would love to do a Godzilla movie where the whole movie is about humanity who just can't help but worship this thing, like cults built around <laughs> Godzilla. And I can't help but feel like there's a great Ghostbusters movie that takes place 40 years after the first one where the entire world, instead of forgetting that ghosts are real, are now all just forming these insane, ridiculous, quacky cults around like Sumerian gods because oh, now they can't man. they know they're out there right the state of marshmallow man was was uh, uh, Zool is responsible we must all worship Zool now <laughs> and he just makes some wacky cults around it whereas like the Ghostbusters then are going around town saying guys you gotta stop these are evil gods you cannot worship these this is uh, I don't know I think it'd be a funny movie that would be fun um so yeah so, very excited about Halo on Wednesday. Huge Halo nerd. Love Halo. So, tell, for those who don't know, if this, what, what, what Halo is being released? Is it a re-release? Is it a new Halo? Tell, tell the folks. Halo Infinite, it's, 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 a, it's essentially Halo 6. It's meant to be a jumping on point if you haven't played any of the others. So, it's kind of a reboot, but it is a continuation of the story. Um, Halo is one of those games. Back in the you know late 90s, early 2000s, where it was thought, if you make a main character... You need to make him silent so the the player can project themselves into the character, right? Link. Link. Gordon Freeman, the Master Chief from Halo. But somehow Halo managed... They, they had... The Master Chief had just enough dialogue that he had a voice. And Steve Downs, the, the radio jockey, DJ jockey, they got to, yes. to play him. Not an actor, but he played the Master Chief so beautifully. And, and this company tripped by accident, into making one of the all-time greatest video game characters ever by making this character who's... They wanted you to be able to project yourself into him, but they also needed him to deliver some exposition, and what they tripped in is having this character who doesn't say much being this extremely stoic character that is just mm -hmm. filled with this quiet dignity that I, I absolutely love him as a character, and I'm very excited about the new game. I'll never forget Halo 2's trailer where she's like, don't miss. And he just goes, I, I won't. won't. Like, oh, it, I mean, so the, good. The, the thing is, is it's a character who delivers macho uh, Sylvester Stallone one-liners in a way that is not ironic and is very, like, he says, I won't because he knows he won't. Not because <laughs> he's a arrogant bastard. He's, he's not going to miss. I love the character. I love the character. Yes, I, indeed. It's, it's a character that I and and Cortana as well. I'm a big Halo nerd. I I'm. Well, then we we're gonna go nuts for the TV series next year, aren't we? I hope it's good. And they cast Jen Taylor as Cortana. Okay, Jen Taylor, one of the best voice actors in this game. I'm so excited. She is playing three versions of the same character. 
So okay, so in, in 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 all right, you got me going. In Halo lore, there's a, a character, Catherine Halsey, who's like 60, 70. She basically scans her brain to make an AI. That's Cortana. And then in this game, another copy is made called The Weapon. Jen Taylor is playing all of them, convincingly playing a 70-year-old, a AI who's more jaded and world-weary, and then a young, naive AI, and knocks it out of the park on all three. So, all right, enough about Halo. Awesome. Uh, me and Lauren have been watching a lot of uh, Joe Para Talks to You. Have you seen any of this? Oh, that's... Uh, he did the... Uh, he talked to me to sleep once. Yes. yes strongly strongly recommend <laughs> if you guys don't know joe para he's a comedian we'll throw it in the show notes yeah he's like 30 years old but channeling a 70 year old man from 1945 and he hunches too like yeah i've seen some of his stand-up i'm like oh man it's not an act for him no it is actually there's apparently his fans have a game <laughs> of trying to find videos of him behaving normally in the wild <laughs> but he's always in character in public and okay. the show is him talking to you about stuff. Like, the first episode is him talking about rocks. And and it's one of those, it's funny because of how earnestly it's presented. But, you know, there are these nuggets of wisdom that are just lovely. And it's a strong recommend. It's a balm for a weary soul. So, that's, Amazing. that's it. I, last night I watched the first half of River Runs Through It. It's the first time I saw that in like 15 years, so I really enjoyed that. Oh, very nice. Seen I don't think movie? I've seen that before. River no. Runs Through It? Oh, we got to do a River Runs Through Brad It. Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt, directed by Robert Redford. Robert Redford. And uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like an eight-year-old for a little bit. <laughs> well, we're all eight years old for just a little bit, Brendan. That's true. Um, <laughs> uh, goodness. Um, I'll, you know, here's a really random kind of fun fact that I realized this week. I feel like I always knew this, but you know that song Santa Baby? Mm-hmm. It's by Eartha Kitt. Yeah. Who was Yzma in Emperor's New Groove. What? Yep. Seriously? Seriously. Santa Baby, that whole thing. That's... <laughs> Yzma in Emperor's New Groove. Wow. Something I realized about a Christmas song... You know, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. It's the most popular, yeah. highest selling song of all human history. Oh, gross. Okay, you're aware that it's, yeah, it sold more copies than any song in human history. And for the life of me, wow. the last week, I've tried to think of the tune of that song and I can't. Like, I, just, I don't know what that's, how that song goes. I'm sure I've heard it a billion times and I cannot think of the tune of that song. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. Hell, man, you're singing it to me right now and I can't think of it. Underneath. It's uh, such a generic nothing of a song. <laughs> yeah. Make my wish come true. Baby, all I want for Christmas is you. No? I mean, I'm sure. I yeah, I know the song. I've heard it, but honestly, you singing it to me is, it's 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 like water. It's just flowing through my body without any any recollection, and maybe I'll pee it out someday. <laughs> it's just shocking to me that that's the song. Whoa! Oh my gosh! What a weird way to put that. Oh man! Oh my gosh! That's so weird. But I love it. Um. There is a remix of that song that uh, has Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance in it, and I can't not hear that song now and not think of My Chemical Romance, which I will throw in the show notes for everyone to listen to. I mean, I can't hear uh, that song now and not 
I don't even think of that song when I hear it. Do you like music, Brent? <laughs> I do like music. No, I'm just, I'm but, just kidding. I'm just well, kidding. I'm not musically as literate as as you are. Well, we're going to talk about uh, music next year because uh, we are going to try our best to time opposite day with an episode so that we can gush about music for an episode. I'd like to do that. Oh, that's going to be an embarrassing episode for me. People will realize how little I know. No, you you've introduced me to so many good bands. <laughs> oh, that was an accident. Great. I can't look. I can't wait. It'll be great. I mean, that, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Excellent. Well, I guess that's it, huh? Oh, it's been a blast. Thanks yeah. for letting me rant about Halo for a couple minutes, and uh, I enjoy well, talking I'm, about Hallmark. I'm, so, I just thought of one more thing, which yeah. I'll have you rant about. How is your Paul Blart Mall Cop Two? Delightful, uh, delightful. Oh, <laughs> it's always great. I really loved that edit last week. Thanks for thanks for that. Uh, the, 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 of the course. Record, uh, scratch. Yeah, no. Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. Wonderful. It is a movie I own. It is not a good movie. I have grown to love it because of that podcast. That's oh, just the fact that you've grown to love it just makes my heart swell. That's just so sweet. There are moments, <laughs> man. There are moments in that movie that I, I mean, have you seen it? I have seen bits and pieces of it. I will never not laugh watching Kevin James fight a peacock. That is the scene I have seen. It's always going to be funny from here on out. Yes, it is. Goodness. Well, everybody, thank you for enjoying our second season. Um, you probably have missed this all season long, but I have been playing us out to the Evangelion organ theme in a church. <laughs> he always does it Which after I, I hit stop on record. Yes, indeed. It's such a lovely little thing. Uh, but yeah, everybody have yourself an amazing Christmas, a happy new year, and we will see you next season. Bye, next year. Love you guys. Bye. Bye-bye.